one, a two, one, a three, one, a four. Inspiration, elevation, knocking right at your door. Aloha mai kako, aloha, welcome to Mana Bombs Podcast, powered by Pomahina Designs. It's me, Kanoi Lani David. And me, Kulani Jeremiah Wang, aloha kako. Aloha, today's daily Mana Bomb is Star Day. I'm only responsible for what I say, not for what you understand. And our focus is, perception is based on experience. As a receiver and a communicator, how is this effective? And the way we want to engage is, is this used as an excuse? How do we find balance in this thought process? And is this the basis of communication? So that's today's daily monobomb. <laughs> right? So sis, I know that you wrote this early last year. This was a January 23rd, 2020 post. That was right before all of this crap hit the fan and COVID happened and we couldn't travel. Us travel bugs were like withering away. What was your mindset when you were writing this particular monobomb? I had just gotten to a point where I created a goal for myself uh, based off of just an ongoing relationship. And I told myself, here's my cutoff date. This is where I'm at and I'm done. This came after that. And as I started to reflect, I recognized that everything I said was very upfront. It was very real. It was very what I thought was communicating where I was at. The receiver took it, projected hurt pain and even called me out on stuff that was far from what I was trying to communicate. That's when I realized, okay, that's not my problem. You don't understand what I'm saying. That's your problem. I tried to explain it to you. I cannot help you. That's how I came up with the focus being perception is based on experience because I have to believe the reason for the reaction was based off of either hurt, pain, loss, rejection, validation, you know, whatever that was, was not mine, was that person. So how they were hearing it was completely different from how I was sharing it. That is what caused a lot of the conflict. That's how I knew that communication wasn't being effective. So I didn't know how to change that other than to stop talking. Do you understand the words that is coming out of my mouth? (laughs) That's exactly. And you know, you think about it, you're like, are we speaking two different languages? How are we not connecting? Like, how is the words out of my mouth not connecting to your ear? That was frustrating. What I recognized, it was happening very often. And there was nothing that I could say for the receiver to understand what I was talking about. Even if I got to a point where I was drawing pictures, that's when I knew it wasn't about what I was saying or how I was saying it. It was the way the receiver was taking it. And they were taking bits and pieces of it that were triggered or reflected on their own personal experiences and then using it against me, which was unnecessary. We just wanted to lay everything out on the table so we can address it versus not trying to fight. I don't, I want solution. Hence the reason why I'm talking about it. That's why I asked, is this used as an excuse? Because always the blame comes about. Oh, that's not what you said. That's not what I heard. That's not what I perceived. Yeah. Well, this is what I said. This is what I meant. And this is the intention behind it. I can't help that if you're taking it the wrong way, this is your chickity check yourself before you wreck yourself moment. And same for me. I've taken things that people have said personally. I've taken things that people have said and I'm projected and reacted in a negative way when all they were doing was just trying to communicate. So that's me checking myself like, oh, okay. Oh, so when you took my sandwich away, it wasn't because you hate me. It's just because you was hungry. Oh, okay. (laughs) We're not going to fight about that. 
that was a lame one, but you know, it, it can be as lame as that. So then we ask, how do we find balance in this thought process? Well, again, it's just effective communication. If the person is not hearing what you're saying, you may have to say it differently, but you can only do so much before you're like, I did everything. I got to walk away. You think about that. And then is this the basis to communication? Yeah. How we receive things and how we communicate things are so important. You're laughing. I feel like there's a story coming on. What's your story? What's your story? I'm just cracking up because it's a selective hearing. Learning how to communicate so that you can have a good relationship is key right here. Just the other day, I had a conversation with someone who was writing a text. It was a group text, but it was actually the generalized text meant for really one person. In the text, he explained one thing. I was part of the group, so I got the text. Later on that evening, he said, Kulani, you know that wasn't for you, yeah? I was like, yes. He goes, this is my second time trying to send a group text like this and sound nice. Try and get the message across, but it seems like I have to reword it. Maybe try again in a different way that's still nice. He goes, but I'm running out of ways. And I started laughing. And I said, you know, easiest way is just walk up to that person and be like, yo, no dump your rubbish after the fact. Take them out when everybody take them. Makes sense. So I can clean up after everything and, and then it'll be great. I just laughed about that because I thought, oh yeah, that's selective. That's like you're not conscious of everything around you. But for the communicator who's not communicating how he'd like to be heard, is he beating around the bush? So is that considered an excuse too? Text messaging is the worst, okay? Conversations via text lose the intention of the text because you cannot hear the intonation in the voice when you're getting those words. And you know how we always laugh about the emphasis on the wrong syllable. I'm like, this is this. This is what this this monobomb is talking about. It's emphasizing the wrong things when it's being received. I'm always a work in progress when it comes to communication. I have to learn how to broaden my mindset. Now, my grandbabies, they have selective hearing too. It's just like a relationship when you think about it. If they want something from you, they'll totally hear what you have to say. But if they're watching a movie that they're into, you ask them to get up and take the rubbish that they made and left on the table. They can't hear you and you're sitting right next to them. So hello. The grandma comes out like, eh, hurry up and take your rubbish. And you just get the silent person with the straight stare, like tunnel vision. And I'm like, oh, geez. I don't really have my own story about this, except for what this happened earlier this week. That's a great example. I mean, that could be laid out across the board. And you had said something when you talked about that group tech. As a kumuula, when I would teach, and this is the way it was taught to me as well through my experiences, somebody was off, we'd stop everybody and we'd make everybody fix. And it was trying to get people to be aware of their own selves without me having to tell you specifically and embarrass you in front of the. It's almost like we're trying to save you yes. from embarrassment. And so we're going to try to awaken and create awareness of yourself without me having to specifically do that. So I kind of understand that concept. Well, most times it worked because everybody was humble enough to check themselves constantly. Then you had the whole Okano ones, the ones who are just like, I never do anything wrong. I'm perfect. Usually those are the ones you're talking to, but you also don't want to smash their ego. Then there has to be a point when you're like, okay, you, I got to talk to you. Maybe you take them on the side or maybe you be, and I, and I was used as an example. I'm not Mm going to lie. Like even myself under my Kumu, my Kumu, whether I was doing something right or wrong, he specifically pinpointed me. As an example, it made me grow really quick. He would always put me on the spot. It sucked. It hurt. And then 
he would apologize to me behind closed doors. That sucked too, but it made me stronger. So I didn't look at it as negative. I looked at it as, okay, I'm building. Okay, cool. I'm getting that one-on-one nobody else is getting. And that's what built me to be better. That I can understand through that group text. But like you said, like group text or even just text in general, don't really share the essence of what you're trying to portray. And that's where we receive it possibly the wrong way. That was a great example. And the tunnel vision, that's a great example. You reminded me of something. Do you know the kind? The kind. The kind. Yeah. That is a thing in Hawaii, right? (laughs) We have you an A and B conversation. The kind is the kind. We don't have to state what the kind is because you and I should be so connected. We don't have to say exactly what that is. Anybody who is listening in or who is trying to figure it out, they're going to make up their own story. But this is an A and B conversation. So they're receiving it again. Another third party receiver is receiving it very, very differently. They don't understand that. In your instance of, you know, I'm not talking about you. Here's a situation. The basis of the kind is connection. You have to have the connection in order for the the kind to be valid. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's really great communication with less words. And you get more stuff done. I guess when you're in sync with the person you're conversing with, the kind is easy. Like, oh, you remember the kind? And then yesterday, da, 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 and whoa, the kind ended up showing up over here. It's totally two different the kinds. But because you already know what you're talking about in the context of the conversation, easy peasy. Yeah. A and B conversations. So see yourselves away from the conversation, people. Exactly. It doesn't seem like it works as often anymore. And I have mm-hmm. to believe there's a lot of disconnect in that. With my kids, I can just look and they know. They know already. I got the look I knew I knew exactly what I didn't even matter we could be in the middle of town and I get the look and I'm like oh I gotta go to the car and I gotta grab this and then when I go home I gotta go take out the trash like I knew that look I knew exactly what that meant a lot of that disconnect now we're not connected anymore we're so self I had to hate to say this we're so selfish and I think that came from this place where we're trying to heal and this trauma that we wanted to self-love so much that we forgot to reconnect into ourselves and who a or we blocked anything that would hurt us we stopped our vulnerability stopped our connection and forgot that we have to now rebalance to be giving and sharing and loving and unconditional there is a fine line between both sides you absolutely see the disconnect too in generations even in like the dating realm you look at men who are raised by their grandparents versus the millennial man who's in their 20s and 30s that were raised by their parents who are working 10 jobs so they were actually raising themselves You see the disconnect automatically. It's pretty crazy. I mean, both men and women of those generations. I relate also to the being used as an example without warning. That was my mother. I would go with her to all of teaching workshops that she would be teaching Maori at. I'd be sitting there because I'm usually the driver. But then it was like, Kulani, come here. Come over there. Grab the place and here, show them the verse. Okay. Figure I'm done. She's like, no, no, no. Go do the next verse. And I'm like, what? Okay. So I do because I'm not trying to get scolded in front of everyone (laughs) from the mean Maori lady because everybody knew her that when she was in class and teaching, you better be paying attention. Afterwards, she was grooming me to become her later on in life. And I didn't recognize that at the time. So yeah, but that calling out stuff in front of everybody, I was like, (laughs) you know what? It's interesting. I want to share something that I've observed. This generation of parenthood, there's a lot of like, let's not call everybody out. Let's just give them love. Let's just show them positiveness and encourage them. And and I think that's great because we came from a generation who was like, no, you got to know how to do this. No excuses. No, you don't have a choice. You have to dance hula. No, you don't have a choice. You have to go to these clubs. 
and learn how to sew. So we didn't have as much choices as this generation had. If you think about it, both can be unhealthy. We learned to better ourselves based on those experiences because we were forced into it. We didn't know what we liked and did not like until we tried it. Whereas if we had a choice, we wouldn't like anything, which is what's happening in this generation. They get too many choices that they don't know how to find something and focus on it and find discipline in it. Because once it gets hard, they have the choice to just leave. And I think that's affecting a lot of relationships. That's affecting a lot of keeping a job. That's affecting a lot of friendships and affecting a lot of marriages and, you know, our connection with our children. There was way too many options here. And then there was no option here. But like you said, that balance needs to be like, no, you need to try it. And I do that with my girls. Try it. Go in. If you don't like it at the end, we'll talk about it then. But most times they end up enjoying it. They end up being great at it. But there are moments where like, okay, mom, this is not for me. Okay, fine. I need you to find something. And the reason why I need you to find something is because if you're going to come out of this, then you have a choice. The only option is you cannot not do anything. That was a whole lot of negatives. Anyways, (laughs) you can't do anything. You have to be doing something. If you're going to come out of the things that I chose, you're still going to have to figure something out. But whatever it is, I need you to have a discipline so that you shows you drive, it shows you focus, it shows you finishing, it shows you consistent, it shows that you can accomplish anything versus just going in and out of things. Yeah. And that's a big thing to recognize, too, that this generation has so many opportunities, but doesn't choose any of them. Like that is just wool. Why aren't you choosing stuff? You know, would you rather you rather just sit down in front of the TV all day and stare at that? And come on, get out people that have to recognize that communication we learned face-to-face with our parents and our grandparents. We had that opportunity of having those talk story moments. My mom used to work till midnight in Waikiki and have to drive home an hour. So we'd be up waiting for her to come home so we could have a conversation with our mom because we hadn't seen her all day. Because of those conversations, I can have conversations today with my daughter and my grandchildren. A lot of families today, it's all texting. I yearn for the connection with my my daughter and my grandchildren and my family members and my best friends, you know, my sum of five that I'm still feeling. I yearn for those connections because that makes me feel validated to be a part of that space. Uh, it validates the fact that I can communicate. <laughs> I love that. I, that's huge to even affirm that for yourself and for, I hope, myself and everybody else who is listening, we, we seek that validation. And sometimes the validation is enough to find in the conversations and the connections we have just in general versus something that's probably further distant, but we're trying to connect to, like mm-hmm. taking care of your people, your sum of five and making sure that that's okay. That's enough for you to recognize like the deeper connections in life that last way longer and beyond other things that we're trying to connect to that doesn't want to connect fully with us. And we're not chasing that. Yeah. Things that aren't meant for us will simply find us. All the good stuff. Yeah. Yes. Be specific. (laughs) Yeah. I like that. I'm glad you shared that. And the part about, you know, I'm only responsible for what I say, not what you understand. It's to a point where, yeah, we have to be both effective outwardly as it as well as inwardly can't blurt out stuff and then expect somebody to figure it out too you got to figure out different ways of doing it i think it widens our way of communication by being more perceptive of how it's coming out how do you deal with the person who blurts all kinds of shit out but can't take it when they get the reactions like if they're blurting all of this negative they're blaming everybody else and they're like Frick you, you did this, you did this, you did this. And this is why I'm like, this is because you did this. My first reaction would be, 
come closer so I can punch you in your face. Like, what? Who are you talking to? You know, and, you know, they say they can dish it, but they can't eat it. How do you help a person like that, that you notice has been doing that for years on years and blaming everybody else? How do you, I know we're not responsible for what they say, right? It's only for what we understand. But if we're understanding what they're saying and it's something that is totally not in the right realm, like how are you going to tell somebody that they shouldn't have asked you a certain question if you're posting all about it all over Instagram and Facebook and they're trying to ask you if you're okay about that particular subject and then you get mad at them for asking you because they're concerned. Oh, that one's easy. Okay. For me, what I've learned, because I've had to deal with that many, many times, and I'm pretty sure I was that at one point in time, what I found is, one, you cannot help them, right? Because there's assets for them in being a victim, right? Nothing is their fault, and they cannot take accountability. They're always going to be a victim. They're living in a past. They're projecting it upon you. Everything you say, do, and feel is your fault. You know what I mean? It's not a contribution of anybody else but your fault. And that's the problem. So for me, the only way I deal with it is if it is my fault, let me fix it. But if it keeps being my fault and I'm trying to fix it and it's not working, I cannot help you anymore. Because I love you that much. I want to make it work. But if it gets to a point where you're starting to take from me now and pound me into the ground without taking accountability and leaving me there hurt, I cannot be around you anymore. Yeah, I'm out. Because the only way I can fix this is remove myself it. So if I'm the problem, if I'm the one being blamed for your hurts, your pains and everything and all the things that happen in your life, let me just simply remove myself. I love you. I just got to remove myself because I can't be there until you wake up. I'm here, but you got to wake up. You got to see that I have unconditional love for you, but I also have unconditional love for myself to not yes. take it. I can only work with the person so much before they have to figure it out on their own. And, you know, that whole thing, the victimization and that, that comes from whatever trauma they dealt with pre-you. And that could stem all the way to childhood. But they have to recognize that's not getting them anywhere. Because all of a sudden, everybody's at fault. Everybody. Yeah. You're never at fault. So you might want to start like thinking about that. And I think the fear is just admitting and accepting maybe I am the problem. But let me just express to you, like the minute you do that, it's freeing. It is freeing. The guilt starts to slowly get away, especially when you have really great friends who you've pushed away who still love you. Once you free yourself in that safe space and they can hold you in that, like, okay, go ahead, let it all out. Let's get to a good place. Way easier. But you keep denying, 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 and pushing and pushing and pushing and putting up a wall, putting up a wall, putting up, like, eventually you lose everybody. It's not worth it. It's better to, like, if I did something wrong, let me express I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you. That wasn't my intention. I realized I was having a bad day that day. Yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. Hopefully everybody can come to a, a nice space of understanding and compassion. And that's how you know your true friends too, you know? Yeah, I have to agree with that. And that's very much our kupuna mindset too, yeah? The, the hui color mind. For anything I've done, I apologize. Please let me know if I've offended you and I will apologize. And I get that because that's when you know that you're understanding that whole purpose. Huh. Wow. Yeah. That's very ho'amana, sis. It is ho'amana. Like, it's so simple. Really. Yeah. 
when we sit and start to remove the illusions which we create, which actually even the world create, there's the layers of illusions that are put in front of us to keep us mentally shackled, emotionally shackled based off of fear. We have to feel very confident in ourselves. And that's how I saw self-love. Love, yeah, I could love anybody and not like you. I can love you from far, far away. Yeah, love. How do I keep you around? It's the confidence. Because I know what I bring to the table is of worth and value. You know what you bring to the table is of worth and value. And we know how to work together. But if you keep degrading my worth because you're degrading your worth, I cannot allow that to happen. I yeah. cannot. It took me a long time to get to this point. Yeah. can't take that away from me. But when you're ready to come to the table again, I'm here. Let's feast. Let's eat. Let's partake. I've actually experienced that where I've had to remove myself from a relationship for my own sanity because I tried and I apologized. It was a really tough thing to kind of like move away because it was a family member that I love so much. But I had to just kind of move away because of circumstance. I would miss that person so much that I try to find an excuse just to call. So every holiday, I made it a point to call. And every birthday, I made it a point to call. And Christmas. But when I realized that I wasn't getting phone calls on my birthday, and I wasn't getting phone calls on the holidays that were important, on Thanksgiving, because, you know, our mom's birthday is usually is around Thanksgiving. And I wasn't getting the call like, happy Thanksgiving. I was like, well, you're not thankful for me? F you if you're not thankful for me. I'm thankful for you, but I'm good now. I don't need your validation. And I think that's what it was, is I was seeking the validation because I wanted to know that I was val- I was worthy in your eyes. And when I recognized that I wasn't, and I was still holding you to this high standard and putting you up, you know, I was raising you up in this place, putting you on a pedestal as, as a person of worth in my life, went with the finger, flick off the pedestal. I was like, I'm out of here. You don't have time for me. I'm not going to have time for you because you know what? I'm going to find somebody who deserves my time. Totally understand. And I just realized that I had to do that. I had to remove myself to be sane. And look at me now. Look at me now. Hey, look at me now. <laughs> I'm also talking to that person today. I was yeah. just going to say, sometimes, remember you said, how do you deal with a person like that? You remove yourself. And if there is unconditional love, it will come back. It may not come back in the same force as it was at the beginning. But it will come back. And the nice thing is that it does come back. So it just takes time. And that's where you shouldn't waste time in that time, in that space that that is separated or detached for that while. That's a great time to start growing, reflecting and seeing. Because when that opportunity happens in the future, you're ready for it. Yeah. Everything is done. How? Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. I learned about growth. I learned how to reconnect with myself. Before I, the saying, love yourself before you love anyone else is number one, super true. Gotta do that. It's a must. I had to learn about that, relearn it, reworth it because now it's, I am of worth. I am of value. Like, yo, this is me. <laughs> you welcome. <laughs> you know, just- You're welcome. That's why I say like the way we respond to things and the way we communicate is based off of experience. Yeah. I mean, it's a very obvious statement. You cannot be talking about stuff or acting a certain way if you've never experienced it. And maybe you've not experienced it fully or directly, but maybe you've seen it, read it. So that's still an experience. 
yes. seen it indirectly, heard it indirectly, still an experience. And so you you respond or you receive in that way. But all the stuff that you've never seen, never experienced, you cannot because you don't even know it exists. And that's why we always talk about balance. Light doesn't exist without darkness and vice versa. You have to experience both sides to recognize where you're at. So everything cannot always be great and dandy, handy, dandy, and beautiful. And everything cannot always be horrible and yuck. There's two sides to that. And then it's perception. Think about the yin and yang sign, the white with the black and the black with the white. And one is going this way and one is going the other way. All perception. Yeah. And that's why I always say there's no good and there's no bad because it's based off of your own personal experience. That's what tells you what is good and bad because of how whatever it is affected. Killing people is bad. So don't do that. (laughs) Yes, please. That's not good. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean. You know what I mean. Yeah. Wow. So for those people who are starting to feel better about themselves and want to put themselves in a space where they can be smashing goals, gaining momentum in their life and really focusing on their future and their worth and their values. I think we definitely got to tell them about our visions and vibes that we usually have. I know our next one is on March 15th, which is a Monday. What is the two things that they got to bring with themselves that are mandatory, sis, for when they come to our visions and vibes, Paina? First one is you need to be limitless. Your mind has to be limitless. You cannot create the boundaries to your dreams. Be okay with being limitless. And the second one be specific. Being specific is super important because you know exactly who you are and you know exactly what you want. That already shows your confidence. That already shows you you're prepared to receive everything that's coming into your space. Once you can master those two things, man, just open your Amaze house. balls. <laughs> Maze balls once you can master it. I'm still in the process of trying to master that. Specificity is key. But May uh, March 15th from 6 to 8 in the evening, if you folks are interested, please email us at manabombspodcast at gmail.com or you can check out Pomahina Designs on IG and there's a link there as well in the bio that'll take you directly to our survey that we have, our question survey uh, regarding the visions and vibes. Ooh, and Manabombs now has their own Instagram, Kako. Manabombs is on IG. Woo! <laughs> Yay! And that's where you can find all of your events, all of the things that are coming up. Once a month, we'll have a vision and vibes party. And then we'll also be adding other things, uh, painting, uh, getting into medicinals, getting into arts and creative, finding different ways to show how we can shift mana. Yes. Get ready to shift your mana, Kako. Get ready. Get ready to hoa mana. It's amazing. So many good things. Thank you, sis. I look forward to the future. Absolutely. And there's so much to look forward to. And we're going to stay focused on that. Oh, the third one I want to share, mm-hmm. aside from those two, probably one of the most important parts is believe. No, not that. She did the wine signing. No, not wine. That's maybe four. Number four. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's believe, right? If we understand how a natural medicine works, it's 80-20. 20% 
20 is the medicine, 80% is believing. Same with manifestation, same with your vision, same with your dreams, same. You have to believe. That is the ultimate key ingredient. Have to believe you are magic. Nothing can stand in your way. Hey, 80-20, woo! 80-20. Well, that's our daily mana bomb for today. Signing off from the island of Molokai, it's me, Kanoi Lani Davis. And here on Busy, Busy, Busy Oahu, it's your girl, Kulan Stramaiwa. Aloha, Kako. Aloha. Thank you, everyone, for spending some time with us today. Please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, and listen to what happens next. Aloha.